What's up, everybody? Welcome to another episode of the Overstated NBA Show. It's time. I think we've done this. This is the third or fourth year we've been doing this podcast. We've never, ever, ever done a State of the Union, New York Knicks style. I got my man, Ilya Slavinsky, diehard New York Knicks fan in the house. The Knicks have been on a heater lately. They're currently 42-31. and 31. That is good for fifth in the Eastern Conference, the very, very tough Eastern Conference. Jalen Brunson has been the signing of the year, at least. Maybe the last five years? I don't know. We'll get into it. Julius Randle has returned to form. Tom Thibodeau saved his job, maybe. We'll break it down here. My man, Ilya, what's cracking, buddy? How you doing? Doing great, Steve. How are you? Good, man. This is a uh, this is a treat for me. So I don't really um, say this too much publicly, but um, as a diehard Bucks fan myself, I can tell you that there is nothing, nothing like Madison Square Garden hype on a Sunday afternoon, celeb row. The Knicks are playing tough, man. I... Uh, I absolutely love it, man. How are you? How are you feeling about this season? Oh my God, Steve, it's been unbelievable. You, you know how many years we've suffered. We've since since '99 when Dolan took over the team. There's been so much pain, so much suffering. So this year has an absolute joyride. It's awesome, man. I'm so happy for you guys. And I literally, unless when you guys are playing Milwaukee, I'm rooting for you guys hardcore. Like I will. I have no problem saying that. That Boston win that we had a couple weeks ago was unfreaking believable It was unbelievable. They won 131 to 20, uh, 129. I believe that was their ninth in a row at the time. They are scorching hot. So, like, what were your kind of thoughts going into the season when they signed Jalen Brunson? I mean, I was on this podcast from the very beginning. I'm sure the listeners, whoever listens to this, is probably like, shut up, Steve, already. But I love the Jalen Brunson signing from the get-go. I, You can kind of correct me if I'm wrong. or I, Obviously, I want your opinion on it. I was kind of happy they didn't give up a lot for Donovan Mitchell, not because I didn't think that Donovan Mitchell was good. I just thought that um, it was going to be too much for what the Knicks wanted to do. I thought Cleveland was honestly the perfect spot for Donovan Mitchell. I don't know if Donovan Mitchell, a Donovan Mitchell-led team outside of Utah is you know in the top four in the East. But kind of give me your thoughts going into the season, the Jalen Brunson signing, the Donovan Mitchell, and then kind of um, just take me through it, man, from the start of the season and where you're at now. Yeah, absolutely. So I was very happy with the Jalen Brunson signing. I mean, watching the playoffs last year, seeing what he did. Clearly, this guy could play on a huge stage, can carry a team. Um, I had no doubt about that. Um, I thought Dallas made a huge mistake letting him go when they could have signed, re-signed him uh, to an extension last year. So I was thrilled about that. I will say that I was hoping that we got Donovan Mitchell. I know we would have had to give up a lot, but especially since and we'll talk about this more, I'm sure, but RJ hasn't really developed in, in a way a lot of us Knicks fans would like. Um, so if we would have could have done a package with RJ and Grimes and a bunch of first round picks, I would have been happy with that. And seeing the way Mitchell's playing now, seeing how Brunson and I mean, who knows if we would have gotten Hart, but if we did get Hart, Brunson, Hart, Mitchell, uh, Randall, the way he's playing, Robinson, I think that team may have been a title contender. So I, I'm still a little bitter. I'm still a little upset that uh, we didn't get that done. Um, but at the end of the day, I, I can't complain. I mean, going into the season, even being happy with the Brunson signing, I did not have high expectations. I thought that Tibbs and Randall, that combination just kind of put a ceiling on us. I thought, you know, the Tibbs kind of experience had run its course. Um, I thought that two years ago, Randall was a fluke, not that last year was a fluke. And I'm very happy to have been wrong about that for sure. Yeah, man, he's been absolutely unbelievable. And it's kind of crazy when it comes full circle like that. Yeah, I, mean, I remember 
you know, two years ago, he had the great year. And I, I think we were even arguing on this podcast, should he be uh, make one of the all NBA teams? And I, I argued for him, like, absolutely should. I don't know how good he's going to be after that. This was at the time, but he was phenomenal. But you look at his numbers this year, he's um, playing 35 minutes a game. He's averaging just under 26 points a game. He's getting 10 rebounds a game, just about four assists a game. I mean, he's been absolutely phenomenal. I want you to touch on, though, R.J. Barrett a little bit because I think um, he has had a very, very weird year. But you, like when you look at the numbers, it's like he's right on point with what his career average is. I think last year it was a career high for him from points. I think it was just, just over 20 points a game, like 20.1 or something like that. And this year, I think the last time I looked at it, he was averaging 19.8 points a game, kind of doing – everything that you want to do, but he's kind of got a, again, this is just this year in this vacuum, kind of got a little Tobias Harris to me, you know, where you kind of sometimes forget that he's on the court. So give me your thoughts on kind of RJ Barrett and what you want to see more from him. Yeah. I mean, I've been a huge RJ believer um, since his time at Duke. Uh, I was thrilled that we got him at number three. Um, even in his rookie year, you know, he had some ups and downs, but the way that he could kind of just get to his spots, the way he, his high release point, the way he could drive down to the basket, um, especially to his left. I had really, really high hopes for him. I was, I would have bet pretty large money that he would, he would have some all-star games in his future. Um, I had a lot of arguments with my man, Brett Usher about uh, RJ's future. He, he's, you know, he's never been too high on him. Um, and I, I always thought that even when he struggled, you could see the kind of the outlines of a great player. And then it started to change for me this year because it didn't feel like he advanced his game in any way. And it started to feel like maybe it was his changing role with the team. Um, maybe, you know, with Brunson having the ball more, with Brunson and Randall, he kind of lost his identity. Uh, but it just felt, like you said, like he disappears from the game. He looks kind of lost out there. Um, he has, I don't know what his overall turnover numbers look like compared to last year. But watching the games on a day-to-day -day basis, it feels like every single game he makes a huge turnover in the wrong moment. Um, he's making mistakes in the fourth quarter. And honestly, every time they take him out in the fourth quarter and Hart is in there with Grimes and, and Brunson, I get more confident and I'm happier and I feel more confident that we're going to win that game. And that's, that's not a good sign from someone um, you know, who, who is averaging 20 points a game, who you know, has pretty good stats, but the shooting is inconsistent. Um, I will say... The past week or two, um, it has looked a little better. He's he's really getting down um, and driving to the basket and making some good plays at the rim. Uh, but there's still definitely some concerns there. And also, I'll say his his defense, I think, has regressed. Um, at one point last year, he was guarding the opponent's best player every night and doing a great job of it. Um, and now his, his defense just hasn't been that good for some reason. Yeah, it's very odd because you would think, like, if you were to just from a physical attribute build an NBA player like you would want someone in the mold of, of RJ Barrett like he's he's phenomenal and when you kind of look at his stats like it's it's pretty odd because he's his uh free throw percentage I mean it's just under his his career high it's about 75 percent like his two-point percentage is the highest it's ever been he's shooting 49 percent from the floor like it, it's just like you watch them more than I do but when I do watch them or when they're on national tv or you know when they're in the, since they've been hot obviously watching a lot you know, it just kind of seems like he, he drifts in and out of games. But I also want to talk to you about my favorite Nick. Now, I got to take you back to December. Um, I believe it was on Hoops Hype. Uh, one of the rumors was that the Knicks were interested in Grayson Allen. 
and the Bucks were interested in Emmanuel quickly. And I cannot tell you in our Bucks group chat, all my Bucks friends, I said, oh my God, I want Emmanuel quickly so bad. Like he is like the perfect player. And then it kind of seemed like um, at the time that he kind of had a falling out with Tibbs or, or maybe was a little frustrated with his role or Tibbs was frustrated with him. And ever since then, man, he has been on a tear. I can tell you, obviously, very clearly, I don't have a vote in this, but he would get my sixth man of the year vote. Like, he is just absolutely phenomenal. I think his defense is just next level. I just love everything about this kid. It seems like he doesn't miss any games. He's always on the floor for this team. And you just go back. You know, we touched on it earlier at the top, that Boston Celtics game. <laughs> he had 38 points in 55 minutes. Like, he was just all over the floor. He was a disruptor. I freaking love this guy. Give me your thoughts on uh, Emmanuel quickly. Oh, man, I, I love him, Steve. I've loved him since the first game I saw him step onto the court at, uh, a couple years ago. I mean, he he's always had the energy. He's always pumped the crowd up. He's always made big shots. The things that he really needs to develop coming in was on the defensive end of the floor, coming he was not very good. Um, consistency, you know, he'd have some hot games and then completely disappear and go on these uh, big lulls. And then this year, he's he's just really put it together. That consistency, that carrying that second unit. At the beginning of the year, that second unit was a disaster. We It was, you know, last year, even last year, the bench was the strength. Two years ago, we had a great bench. And this year, the bench was really struggling. And then, uh, especially once we got Hart and everyone kind of slotted into the roles a little bit better, and he could play um, alongside quickly uh, in the second unit. I mean, quickly has been carrying this bench, and, and we've been beating other teams. Quickly without um, RJ, without Brunson, without Randall on the floor, the Knicks are plus 6.5 per 100 possessions. That's that's you know, awesome. not, to, not to knock the other uh, big candidate for sixth man of the year, Malcolm Brogdon, who I think is having a great year, uh, but his points for 100 possessions are negative when uh, his top guys are off the floor. So, I, I mean, I, I can't say enough about quickly. The defensive improvement has been just unbelievable. He, I mean, he's literally locking guys up. He, his lateral quickness, I mean, he, he's just he's been unbelievable. I, I can't be more happy with him. Yeah, man, and it, and it seems like he he's fit into exactly what Tibbs wants. I know that he's he's closing games a lot more. I think he's averaging about 28, 29 minutes, and like he's he's out there, and he is going to be so valuable to to your team. I feel like you know once they get into kind of this playoff mode, and we'll we'll talk about the playoffs here in a minute. But how happy were you? Where were you when the the Josh Hart trade got announced? I know Mikey Bayer texted me, and he was like, "Dude, the, the Knicks are going to love this dude. This dude is unbelievable. Like he he obviously I think." Um, you know, no disrespect to Portland fans, but I, I feels like everyone but Dame Miller is struggling in Portland this season. So obviously he goes to the Knicks and immediately has made an immediate impact on that team. I, I would say, you know, with, with not really diving into it and looking into it too much, he's probably been the most impactful person traded at the trade deadline. Obviously, you know, we have Kevin Durant, but Kevin Durant can't stay healthy. I mean, I think he's only played two or three games and Kyrie's been hurt lately, but I mean, dude, he has been everything that the Knicks have wanted and more kind of give me your thoughts on Josh Hart and, and how he fits into what they're trying to do. Yeah. Josh Hart has been a revelation, Steve. I mean, we haven't had a player like this in so long, right? A guy who does all the little things. I don't know if you were watching the Nuggets game the other night, there is zero chance in hell they're winning that game without Josh Hart. The amount of defensive possessions he made to close out that game, the way that he, you know, um, Murray was torching 
uh, Grimes torching quickly. No one, um, he was just beating them off the dribble. Uh, they put heart on him, and that's it. I don't think Murray scored a, a basket in the last few minutes of that game. I mean, he does everything. The amount, just the amount of plays that don't appear in a box score, watching them day in and out, the hustle, the saving balls that are going out of bounds, um, the amount of steals. I mean, he's averaging two and a half offensive rebounds for someone his size. That's, that's insane. There's guards that don't average um, two and a half rebounds total. So there's just so many times that he just flies in through the defense, gets that offensive rebound, gets us another possession. You know, we're still not a great shooting team. And a lot of the way we win is, is second chance points. And obviously Mitchell Robinson is a huge part of that. He's one of the best offensive rebounders in the game, but Josh Hart is, is a huge reason for that. So yeah, I was, I was absolutely thrilled when we got him. I've always been a fan. Um, I was on Twitter when it happened. I saw that video of Jalen Brunson finding out. That was Dazzle. awesome. That was that awesome. Was, oh man, that was, that was so great. Just to see that joy in his, in his face was, was awesome. It's cool, and it, what's crazy is Josh Hart wasn't shooting the three ball very well while he was with Portland, but with the Knicks, he's shooting 55% from three in 16 games with them. I mean, he's just been absolutely unbelievable, and one of the things that I really enjoy watching about him is just he seems to come in out of nowhere to grab these rebounds, and he is just, like, I, I just can't tell you enough, like, how much I love this this Knicks nucleus, you know, like, especially with with Brunson. Now, I, I do think what we can get into in a little bit, I, I'm curious as to what Julius Randle looks like next season or how he fares in the playoffs. Because, I mean, if we're being honest, I mean, he, he kind of got exposed a little bit in that Atlanta series a couple years ago. But with with when you talk about Jalen Brunson, Josh Hart, Emmanuel quickly, I mean, Mitchell Robinson, I mean, I don't know if you remember it or if you were at the game. It was it was very early on in the season. They played the Bucks, And I think Mitchell Robinson had like 18 offensive. Like it was he, it, it was it was unbelievable, um, and it, he seems to have figured out his role on this team and, and kind of what needs to be done on them. And it, it's just amazing to see, you know, all of this clicking. Which I kind of want to transition into, you know, your thoughts on on Tom Thibodeau. Um, I obviously have I have praised him. I, I I liked the hire at the time. I, I thought that first season was a typical. Uh, Thibs season and I obviously probably deservedly so uh, got beat up last season because Thibs wasn't uh, wasn't very good or the Knicks weren't very good and yeah, I think Thibs was playing a guys a lot of minutes I know Knicks fans were frustrated with his rotations a little bit and it was a classic um, you know has the game the offensive game passed Thibs by this season and you know you look at it and I, I saw you post this in the overstated NBA group but you know the last 15 games the New York Knicks are second in the NBA in net rating behind only Philly and, and sandwiched between Philly and Milwaukee there. And it seems like the Knicks offense has picked up um, a lot of steam here lately. I know Jalen and Randall are very, very good one-on-one -on -one players. But kind of give me your thoughts. Are you happy with Tibbs? Are you not happy? Do you think this is just – do you want him to be your coach next season? Like kind of what, what, what are your thoughts on Tibbs? Steve, those are great questions. They're questions that keep me up at night sometimes <laughs> Tibbs has been an absolute roller like roller coaster ride you know I was very much against the the uh, when we picked him up did not like did not like the the pickup or whatever you want to call it um was never a Tibbs fan always thought he was you know a kind of coach that gives you know relies too much on kind of intangibles and hustle and when guys stop that that motivation runs out after a couple years and then the defenses aren't as good anymore. We, we definitely saw that in Minnesota, right? Um, and so I thought that's exactly what happened. I you know, definitely had an apology tour two years ago and was happy. I mean, 
after so much suffering to make the playoffs, you, know, you, you could only give your hats off and, and him winning coach of the year. It was great. But then last year, it felt like everything that I that I believed in about him was confirmed. Um, and then to start the season, all of Nick's Twitter, including myself, were calling for his head, you know, wanting him to get fired. Um, and now I don't know what to think, to be honest. I mean, he still he still does a lot of things that that are really um, infuriating. Um, he's one of the few coaches that doesn't really do kind of uh, end of the game offense defense substitutions. He'll have sometimes he'll have Mitchell Robinson out there in the last minute, and it's like you don't want that ball going to him and Mitchell Robinson ending up at the free throw line. Um, he often so many games we only have one timeout left, and the other team has two or three, and that puts us at a, a disadvantage or or we'll be down two possessions and he'll take our last time out with, a, with like 10 seconds left, which is a huge pet peeve of mine. Cause you gotta get that first bucket and then hope you know, for that time out to be there for that game tying or going ahead bucket. So there's a lot of little things like that that, that still really bother me. I mean, there, I think deep down, I think that Jalen Brunson is a lot more responsible for the offensive turnaround than Tibbs. I think Brunson has, just completely changed our offensive scheme, completely changed our fourth fourth quarter offense. He's made Randall be more comfortable and let Randall be himself instead of having to handle the ball, um, you know, at the end of games, which we don't want him doing. And he still does too much, but that's a whole nother issue. So I, I still don't love Tibbs. I think there, there are coaches out there that I think could be better for the team. But at the end of the day, I'm not going to – you know, beyond here hating on him when, when the results have been so great. Yeah. I thought that um, we, we talked about when Quinn Snyder got that job in Atlanta, I thought he would have been a very good option in New York because it is much, I mean, like I said at the top, man, I, I would put, again, I'm not a, a diehard Knicks fan like you are, but it, like if Milwaukee's not playing, like I'm in the, I'm, the, I'm rooting for the Knicks, you know, if the Knicks are good, like I said, there's, there's nothing better than that stadium, you know, rocking and rolling. You know, I remember the, the nineties Knicks, Obviously, I think a lot of people remember the Jeremy Lin Knicks, where that was just an insane roller coaster. But, you know, basketball is a lot better when the Knicks are better. And I'm a little – we can kind of get into it now if you want. I don't mean to um, damper on your parade here because, obviously, the Knicks deserve all their flowers and everything that they're getting. But, you know, kind of like what are your thoughts going into these playoffs here? Um, right now you're 42-31. and 31. We're recording this on a Tuesday night. Uh, the Knicks had just lost to Minnesota after Julius. Did he have 57 or 58 points last night? I believe it was 57. And, and I mean, he was phenomenal. Tough loss for the Knicks, but they're still 6-4 and four in their last 10. They're 42-31. and 31. Um, It looks like they're three games back of the four seed in Cleveland. They're two games up on Brooklyn, and they're three games up on Miami for the play-in. Um, just looking at kind of their remaining schedule, nothing really jumps out too much. Although tomorrow they do have a huge game against Miami. Um, and then they have another back-to-back Miami, Orlando. They play Houston, Miami again, Cleveland. And then they end the season with no teams over 500 in Washington, Indiana, New Orleans, and Indiana. But, I mean, we play Miami two times here and Cleveland one time. And I, I think seeding is going to be pretty important. So what are kind of your thoughts going into this last, you know, what is it, 10 games or, or final stretch here of the season? Yeah, I mean, I think that I'd be surprised if we don't end up in that fifth seed position. Um, we do have a pretty favorable schedule, so I don't see us falling back behind Brooklyn and 
you know, they're still going through so many changes. I don't see them going on a big run or anything. Uh, and then three games just feels like a little bit out of reach uh, for Cleveland. You know, maybe if we won that game last night, um, I'd, I'd be singing a different tune, but I just, I just don't see us making up that difference. So, but I mean, fifth seed is, you know, the Vegas odds had us at 38 and a half wins uh, coming into the season. So if someone told me that we'd end up in the fifth seed uh, going in strong into the playoffs, I, I would have been thrilled. Um, and I honestly like our chances. I think Cleveland is a great team. Um, Mobley is a star in the making, uh, defensive player of the year candidate already. Um, you know, Mitchell's been, been balling out. Garland's a great player. Um, you know, um, do I feel great about that series if it happens? No, but do I think we have a great shot? Absolutely. I think I could see it going seven. Um, and I could see it depending on, you know, maybe, maybe some health or, or who knows what. So, you know, what I'm really upset about though, is I was hoping that the seating would play out that we could play Boston. I love it. I love it. I love it. I love it. We have their number, Steve. We've beaten them three games in a row. They don't want to see us. They're afraid of us. And when we play them, we just rise to the occasion. And I would honestly put money on us if we were playing them. But it doesn't look like the seeding gods are going to play in our favor. And, you know, well, I think. In the- well, it, it could be. So let, let's let's kind of talk this through a little bit. So yeah. if the season ended today, like I would be, I don't know if I would necessarily bet it, but I would not be surprised if New York beat Cleveland. Because as much as, you know, uh, I, I'm sure you listen to other sports podcasts as well. And everyone keeps talking about um, Cleveland's net rating and how good they are offensive and defensively. And yeah, you can't take that away from it. But this team outside of Donovan Mitchell doesn't really have a lot of playoff success under their belt. You know what I mean? And just watching them in close games, you know, similar, like it's weird, right? So you, the Knicks have pretty much handled Boston, right? All season, but Cleveland their Boston wins have come in overtime in just about every single game. And I don't know how much stock we should actually put in that. I mean, it's as great, as great as it was to see Donovan Mitchell get in Grant Williams head and say, he's going to miss both of these. And, and Grant Williams just goes up there and misses both. Like, I don't know how much stock you take that in. And then, you know, I think that Boston's, I, I really truly believe this. And I think Sacramento got screwed over here because Sacramento played Washington. I want to say they played them over the weekend. Then they had to fly to Utah, play them last night, and now they have to go to Sacramento and play Boston on the second night of a back-to-back. And Boston hasn't played since they um, lost to Utah a couple days ago on Saturday night. So I think that's a little weird. But I think this is the biggest game of the season for Boston, just based on their their schedule. I mean, if they lose this game, I kind of think it's going to set it up where Milwaukee's going to get the one seed and probably Philly gets that two seed, perhaps. And then, man, after that, man, you never know what could happen. You never, ever know what could happen. And, and I think that, you know, just looking at the seedings, that uh, the Knicks wouldn't be able to play uh, Boston until the Eastern Conference Finals, if that. But, I mean, like, I'm just happy that the Knicks are good, man. I, I'm, I'm so happy for, for Knicks fans. Like, like I said, it, that arena being that jack, Jalen Brunson being just a, a primetime player, Julius Randle on a redemption tour. Now, do you what, – what – let me think about how I want to phrase this. Would you be happy? Would you call this season successful if, you know, the Knicks, obviously if we win a playoff series, this is going to be a successful season no matter what. But if they take, let's say it is Cleveland that they play, if they take them six or seven games, is that going to be a successful season to you and we just continue to build? Or um, is it like, man, we, 
we let one kind of slip away here. I mean, I'll definitely be disappointed if we don't beat Cleveland, but it will still be a successful season. I mean, after last season, and I think deep down two years ago, if you really ask a Knicks fan, if you hook us up to a lie detector, we knew it was a bit of a fluky season. I mean, we were relying so much on Derrick Rose to carry us offensively, um, so much isolation by Julius Randle that you know wasn't necessarily going to be great for uh, playoff basketball. We didn't really have you know a good point guard like we do now. Um, and again, it was relying so much on hustle and that kind of Tibbs effect and that yeah. great defense. So I wasn't surprised at all when when we lost to Atlanta. Um, I wasn't surprised at all when we took a step back uh, last year. Um, so, the, I mean, what we've done this year, the Brunson signing, the Hart signing, the fact that most of our players are under contract, uh, most of our good players are still young. I mean, I think we're really building something. I think we have one of the brighter futures in the league. We have all these young players. We have a ton of draft um, assets for, for the next few years. I mean, I think it's I think it's gravy at this point. If, I mean, if you told me before the start of the season that we get the fifth seed, we'd give Cleveland, who has Donovan Mitchell, um, a great run in, in the playoffs and take them to seven games, I, I would have been thrilled. And um, you know, it's 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 been wonderful. We've made the playoffs. Do you know how many times we've made the playoffs in in this millennium? In the, since not a lot. Not a lot. Yeah, six times. Six times in 23 years. So about it, and a lot of those were uh, early on. Not a lot in the last 10 years, that's for sure. So I, I think we're think, on a path to success for sure. I actually think, man, like I, I'm with you. I think the Knicks are one of the brightest young teams in the NBA. You know, I, I, I really believe that. And I think that, you know, they're poised here. I think this offseason is going to be very critical for them. I can tell you I, I, I put the chances of it happening under 5%. I would love for Mikhail Bridges to be on that team. With, with Brunson and Josh Hart, just bring the Villanova boys back together. Like, I think that team would be be awesome, and he would fit that team perfectly. But, I mean, like, what is there – it's very clear what management, the Knicks management kind of told um, NBA fans after they didn't get Donovan Mitchell that, okay, we still have our draft picks. We'll go get the next guy. Do you have, like, an inkling on who that next guy is going to be? Um, is there somebody that's on your wish list that you want – this off season to pair. Like I, I would go unless like, um, you know, Kevin Durant is going to be available or maybe not even, maybe not even Kevin Durant, but unless it's going to be one of these superstars under, you know, 29, 28 years old, I I'm pretty confident in saying that, you know, quickly Hart, Jalen Brunson, you know, those three guys for sure are going to be on this team next season. So is there somebody that you got your eye on somebody that you want here? That's disgruntled. Give me your thoughts on that. Steve, you said it, man. Mikhail Bridges. Um, I would love it, man. I would love it. Knicks fans, we've been talking about it uh, on Twitter, in group chats. We want Mikhail Bridges. We want that Villanova reunion. Oh. I mean, you saw the joy that Brunson had when Hart came. Imagine all three of them together. Um, there's no reason for for Bridges to be on the Nets. The Nets are irrelevant. They don't. They're not going anywhere. They have, you know, they don't have really a star there to to do anything for them. They they probably need to rebuild. So give us bridges, you know, he won't even have to move. He'll just I love slide it. right over from Brooklyn to Manhattan. And, and yeah, I mean, I, I think, I think we got to be careful. There's a lot, there, I think the players that are, there's rumors about uh, being available guys like 
Carl Anthony Towns, guys like oh, Zach no. Levine. No. I don't really want those guys. They're not winners, in my opinion. Um, you know, I'm not saying Levine's not a winner. It's more of an injury concern with him, but Towns is not a winner for sure. Um, it takes so much to get him, I think, that honestly, I'd rather just, just keep things going. I mean, yeah, someone someone more on that Bridges level is, is I think, would be way more worth it. Even an OG and an OB, um, I know we were really hoping to get him, um, you know, at the, at the deadline, and that didn't work out. Uh, but he'd be a great player. You know, someone who can upgrade us at the RJ position, maybe at the Grimes position. Um, you know, Grimes has been all right. Um, he's definitely been a good defensive player. He stabilized us, um, but he also kind of disappears from games. He'll have games where he, you know, takes one shot, two points. Um, I think he'd be a great bench player, but I don't think he's enough for a contending team to get it done in, in the playoffs. So, um, yeah, th- that kind of two, three – um, is where I think we, we need an upgrade. I love it. I love it. So what is, I asked everyone that does these state of the unions with me, what is your kind of favorite Knicks memory? It could be childhood. It could be something that happened this season. Um, but give me your, your favorite Knicks memory. Oh man. Then, no, I put you on the spot. I, I put you on the spot with that one. So I apologize. Take, take, take your time if you need to think about it a little bit. Yeah. I mean, most of them are so long ago, but let me let me just take you back all the way back to um, I don't know if you know this at all, but um, I grew up in the former Soviet Union, uh, came to the U.S. when I was five. And kind of the only two things that I knew about America were Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles and Michael Jordan. OK, so that, you know, that those two things kind of penetrated the, the Iron Curtain, if you will. Um, Love Michael Jordan came here, was a Bulls fan for a little bit. And then when Jordan left uh, basketball. I felt really betrayed. I was like six years old. I was like, how could he do this to me? I love you know, it. Way, I love it. The way the things, I felt so, so upset, so betrayed. And I was like, well, you know, we, we live in New York. We live in Brooklyn. Who, who should I, who should I root for? And I was like, I, I guess I'll be a Knicks fan. And then the very next year they make the NBA finals. Um, and I thought, oh man, I picked the perfect team. You know, we got Ewing, we got Starks, we, we got Anthony Mason. Uh, we we have you know the future is bright things are great we have a great coach and, and Riley and even then we then Gundy after him and I was I was just feeling great and I remember my childhood just loving those teams loving that defense loving Starks loving Hubert Davis the original three point threat love it baby uh, and and then it went downhill man and you know we made the playoffs 13 years in a row from '86 to to '99. Uh, and then it just all went downhill after after uh, those those late ninety that late nineties finals run. Dylan took over the team and and it just became a joke. Honestly, I'm not afraid to say it. Uh, people clown on the Knicks, but it's it's deserved, right? Dylan has been a terrible owner, been mostly depressing, uh, mostly in, like infuriating decision, overpaying free agent after free agent. GM after GM, coach after coach, Isaiah Thomas, Phil Jackson. I mean, it's it's been painful. Uh, we you know we had a couple good runs. 2012 was really great, right? That was a great memory, Amari and um, Melo. But that didn't feel sustainable either, to be honest, because we were hanging. That season was hanging on by the tiniest thread of Amari's knees. You know, he. You knew that he wasn't going to last very long, and and that the our, the future wasn't going to be very bright there. And this is kind of the first time since those 90s teams where it feels like we're really building something. We got young guys, we got exciting players, we got 
you know, Brunson isn't an all-star yet, but he's playing like an all-star. I don't, I imagine him making it next year. Um, and Knicks fans feel great. You know, I got the doorman in my building who's been a Knicks fan his, his whole life. Every day I see him and we give each other a high five and talk That's about awesome. the Knicks. The city is That's just awesome. on fire. You know, people are every day, someone is saying, how about those Knicks? I walk around with my Knicks winter hat. People are stopping me on the streets, talking about the team. The energy is just unbelievable. Dude, that is so awesome. Like, I love hearing stories like that. I really do. I, I think, you know, my obviously, I'm, I'm a little bit older than you. And I, I remember those, um, you know, the Nick Bulls rivalries very, very well. And that was always fun. You know, uh, Marv Albert doing the games. Um, you had Riley there. Everyone remembers the fight when uh, Jeff Van Gundy was sitting on uh, <laughs> sitting on the leg. But my thing, though, is, oh, not to get too depressing here, but I, I really thought that Carmelo Anthony kind of uh, screwed the Knicks over uh, a big time there when he asked for that trade from Denver. And I really, I really am wondering, like, if, you know, we did revisionist history and there was um, – choose my words carefully, I'll, okay, a better owner than James Dolan running that team. If he just would have been like, Hey man, we want you here. You can come sign with us after the season, but like we cannot give up all these assets to get you because you're going to be in a worse spot than you are in Denver. And it's going to be very, very hard to build around you. And I'm, I've always wondered what would have happened if, you know, the Knicks kept that team together that they had and Carmelo signed there in the off season. What, the future of the Knicks would have looked like because I bet it would have been, you know, similar to a mini run. Obviously we had, Oh, excuse me. We had Boston in there for a little bit and then Miami with LeBron and and the big three there. But I think the Knicks would have been in their uh, championship contending team for a very, very long time. And I just thought that it took a very long time for the Knicks to get over that Carmelo Anthony trade. And you look at, I think it was, was it that season? Or the season after, I think Denver won like 55, 58 games that season with all those guys playing on that team. And I, I just, that's something that has always stuck out to me. And just it, it, when you look at franchises like that, like I can speak to, you know, Milwaukee, for example, because we have been just a downridden loser franchise for basically my entire childhood. Like I bet you don't even know that in the 80s, the Milwaukee, it, the Eastern Conference was literally the Boston Celtics. 76ers and the Milwaukee Bucks like there was no Chicago Bulls there was no Michael Jordan it was the Bucks and we just couldn't get over them and then the 90s was terrible and where I'm going with this is we get Ray Allen we go to that Eastern Conference Finals in 2001 where the refs completely screwed us and we I'm being a little bit of a homer but the worst trade in NBA history was us trading Ray Allen and in his prime Ray Allen for a rental of Gary Payton and Desmond Mason and it literally I'm not kidding you man it took us to draft Giannis all those years later for us to finally like correct that mistake. And it's just crazy how one trade like that can just ruin your franchise. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, with the Knicks, there's been so many decisions uh, that, that have set us back starting all the way with giving Allen Houston a hundred million dollars when no one was offering him that kind of money. Um, I mean, you got, what what was it? I don't barely remember his name, Jerome James giving him $30 million and he did absolutely nothing. The whole Isaiah Thomas era, I mean, trading away lottery picks for Eddie Curry. It's just, you, I mean, you could, all the stuff has been said so many times and on their venues, the, the amount of bad decisions after bad decision, after bad decision, 
um, that we had in, in the 2000s is, is, is just unbelievable. And I, I, I'll admit there were times when I was like, I can't, I can't do this anymore. How yeah. much, how much pain can I go through? Like, you know, there were seasons where I, I didn't follow as closely because, you know, it's one thing when you have a team that's, that's trying and, you know, they're, they're not succeeding. They're, they step forward, they step back, but when it's just incompetence and just like, you know, Dolan's worst thing is that he'll, he'll hire someone who's terrible at their job and he has this weird loyalty to people yeah. And, he, yeah. and he holds on to them. So then you're like, all right, well, this guy is the worst manager in the league, but we're going to be stuck with him for five years because Dolan feels some sort of weird loyalty to him. So it just felt so hopeless. Um, and I mean, Dolan's still the owner. So that we always have that fear underneath that things are still go wrong, but he's, he's been okay in terms of just kind of, stepping back and letting Leon Rose and, and his crew uh, do what they got to do. And honestly, they've done a, they've done a great job. If you look at our, our drafting, yeah, we've had a few mistakes. I would have loved to have Halliburton over Toppin, for example, um, getting quickly so late, getting Grimes, Mitchell Robinson in the second round. Um, you know, the, like you said, the Brunson signing is one of the best signings of the past few years. I don't know how much Rose is, is to thank for that and not just, you know, having a, father <laughs> coaching staff but um but yeah i mean it's it's just a completely different team um completely different front office and and things just you know we're we're still cautious but cautious definitely optimistic about the future for the first time and god knows how many years dude brother i can't thank you enough for doing this man i'm very very happy for knicks fans and like i said man you uh, i will always unless they're playing against milwaukee i will always always root for the knicks man i, I think it's just a it's a beautiful fantastic story the, the knicks are good again and the nba is better when the knicks are good you know we talk about blue bloods in college but when you look at the nba man it, it, it's boss everyone talks about boston and the lakers but the, but the knicks are just as important and i think when the knicks are good basketball is absolutely better for it and you know we got a tough little bit of a mini tough schedule here coming up here but obviously april is a lot easier but tomorrow night man we'll we'll be rooting for uh the knicks beat, beat those miami sheep man you know how i feel about those frauds dude you'll uh, uh who likes they don't even have their own fans why would we respect them thank you thank you i cannot believe a franchise that had lebron james Dwayne wade could not get to the stadium on time could you imagine like I could not imagine those two anywhere else. I, the arena would be packed 30 minutes before the game even started. And those guys come 30 minutes after the game started. I, I, no, I, it's, I it's, it's embarrassing. Um, maybe the only time I'll root for them is if they're beating the Celtics. Oh, yes. But, I love the Celtics hate. I'm here for it. I'm here for it. Uh, you don't know. I don't, honestly, I don't know what feels better when the Knicks are great or when the Celtics fail. You know, I called it in the in the group a few months ago that we're heading for an epic Boston collapse. You know, they won the November championship. They, did. they were cel- they were celebrating. This is the best offense of all time. Uh, you know, they might win seventy games this year. People were saying, and you know, that now they've been a mediocre team since since January. I think they're going to fall flat on their face in the playoffs. And again, they're they're lucky that we're on the going to be on the opposite side of the bracket, and you know, they're going to be. You know, even if we beat Cleveland, we'll be running into the Bucks, which the Bucks are looking good. They're my, they're currently my favorite to. Oh man, I uh, win the I title. So. 
I, I wish so. we were playing Boston. Oh, what I would, what I wouldn't give to to face Boston in the playoffs. God, I love you, man. I love you, Ilya. This has been absolutely fantastic, man. I really, really appreciate you coming on. Like, we need to, uh, we, you know, man. I love the Knicks so much, man. We may do this during the playoffs and, and get you back on again and kind of get your thoughts on whatever playoff matchup or whatever seeding comes out. I mean, we're going to be really kicking this podcast into overdrive, man. I again, man, I I can't thank you enough. Thank you so much. Your contributions to the the overstated NBA group is is just phenomenal and uh we appreciate you man we love you and uh for myself we'll see you later man everybody thank you peace thanks so much for having me on